Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. Not only is Bluehost Cloud our fastest web hosting available, but it's also built for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. This episode is brought to you in part by Purina. Purina is dedicated to creating richer lives for pets and the people who love them. From helping older pets think like their younger selves to making cat ownership a possibility for more people than ever, Purina is helping pets thrive so they can live long, healthy, and happy lives. Purina has you covered for all your furry friends' needs, whether they meow or bark. From litter to treats to their best-in-class, nutrient-packed food with taste your pets will love, Purina's got your back at every stage of your pet's life. Your pet gives you the joy of the spring sunshine all year round. So today and every day, care for your pet with Purina. Your pet is Purina's passion. To learn more, head to Amazon.com backslash Purina. It's Monday, May 22nd, 2023, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine, here again with your Daily News Roundup. On today's show, we're talking Bitcoin, the debt ceiling, top headlines, and more. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Bitcoin, Ether, and most other top tokens are down and markets showing largely red. And things are getting a little bit boring, at least with Bitcoin, the world's largest digital asset by market value, settling into a tight range for months now, despite lingering concerns about the stability of U.S. regional banks and the country's debt ceiling. The range, or the difference between those highs and lows reached in the seven days leading up to May 21st, was 3.4%. That's one of the narrowest ranges in the past three years, according to data tracked by analytics firm Glassnode. Quote, it's comparable to January 2023 and July 2020 both of which preceded large market moves. This suggests high volatility is likely on the horizon, the company tweeted early Monday. Recently, options-based volatility measures for Bitcoin and Ether also hit record lows. Narrow trading ranges indicate that neither the bullish nor the bearish perspectives dominate the price action. And that typically happens when markets face competing influences and narratives. While lingering U.S. banking sector issues favor the upside, in perceived haven assets like Bitcoin, the unresolved deadlock in debt ceiling negotiations and the recovery in the dollar index suggests otherwise. And by the way, we're going to dig a bit into that debt ceiling topic in the headlines. But zooming in on that recent boringness, when trading ranges shrink, that typically leads to the opposite, markets that go a bit wild as they seek a new equilibrium. To position for that, many traders typically set up price agnostic strategies, like straddle and strangle holds, when anticipating an exit from tighter trading ranges. In related news, with Bitcoin drifting downward by just 2% over the past 30 days, some analysts are describing it as a much-needed break for investors from the roller coaster of last year. Quote, Bitcoin has corrected to levels between 27,000 and 25,000. This is where we'd like to see some consolidation before a retest of 30K in the coming days, Jody Pasquale, CEO of Bitbull Capital, said to Coindesk in a note, continuing, While the market may not rally in the near term, the price action is following expectations, as we witness consolidation during bearish sentiment, end quote. Today's crypto coverage comes courtesy of Coindesk markets analysts Amkar Goodblay, Lila Ledesma, and Sam Reynolds. 
Bitcoin is currently trading at $26,771 per token. That's down about 0.6 of 1% since our show on Friday, while Ether is trading at $1,812 per ETH. That's down about a quarter of a percent over the same time period, according to the Coindesk Market Index. And speaking of the Coindesk Market Index, we're looking at an absolute reading this morning of 1,185. That compares against Friday's reading of 1,191 and represents a loss of about half a point across top traded tokens. And shifting to traditional markets, in the U.S., major indexes were flat to down slightly. The Nasdaq Composite and S&P 500 are essentially unchanged from our Friday show, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost a quarter of a point. In Europe, the trend was much the same, but a little bit worse. The original stock 600 lost two-tenths of a percent, while London's FTSE 100 dropped a quarter of a point. In Germany, the DAX lost half a percent. In Asia, equities finally saw some gains. China's Shanghai Composite and the Hang Seng Index gained 0.4% and just under one and a quarter, respectively. In Japan, Nikkei 225 split the difference, up 0.9%. In commodities markets, Brent crude, that's the international benchmark for oil, traded down at $75.49 per barrel, losing about 1.5% over the weekend. While gold, meanwhile, gained slightly, up about three quarters of a point, currently changing hands at $1,974 per troy ounce. And finally, our monetary policy-induced banking crisis of 2023 indicator, of course, that's what I like to call it, and I'm talking about the First Republic bank stock, which has been very troubled and a good indicator for this, gained about a cent over the weekend, currently trading hands at 39 cents per share, although it's important to remember that it remains down by more than 99% since the start of the year. Still trucking, at least for now. Today's traditional markets coverage draws from MarketWatch. As the deadlock in negotiations to raise the U.S. government's $31.4 trillion debt ceiling keeps markets on their toes, some analysts have gone against consensus, warning that a potential deal may indeed bring pain to crypto markets. The U.S., of course, reached its statutory debt limit of $31.4 trillion back on January 19th, almost six months ago, which then led to the Treasury implementing what are known as extraordinary measures and essentially running down the Treasury General Account, also known as the TGA, which is essentially their cash balance, to keep the government functioning. That ensured that assets like Bitcoin, which are sensitive to swings in U.S. dollar liquidity, remained attractive as fears of government default and the Federal Reserve's continued rate hikes weighed heavily on markets. Since February, the government's cash balance has dropped from roughly $500 billion to just $68 billion last week. That's according to Macro Micro. And according to big bank Goldman Sachs, the Treasury's cash balance will likely dip to the minimum required $30 billion in early June, which means a debt deal needs to be reached by around that point to avoid what the people in power characterize as an unavoidable default. It also means that once the debt limit is raised, the Treasury will be looking to build back its cash balance by issuing government bonds. In other words, they'll be selling debt to cover the last six months of spending as quickly as possible. And that is where things get interesting for risk assets. That may suck liquidity out of the system, assuming that people still think government debt is a riskless investment, because by flooding the market with so much debt, the interest rate that the government has to pay to entice buyers is likely to go up. Bitcoin, at least historically, has been known to move in the opposite direction of bond yields. Although its confidence is lost in the U.S.'s ability to keep increasing the limit on its credit cards, so to speak, that assumption will be increasingly questioned. But at least based on current thinking by traditional markets, while a potential deal might eliminate major economic uncertainty, assets like Bitcoin that have no linkages to the real economy and are heavily dependent on fiat liquidity could in fact suffer. Quote, the issuance of debt to top up coffers will have the opposite effect. Money will move out of cash and risk assets into U.S. government bonds, especially as yields on these instruments rise to offset the increase in supply. Said Noel Acheson, the former head of research at Coindesk and Genesis Trading and the author of the Crypto is Macro Now newsletter. Market consensus so far has been that a default would lead to panic selling and a global dash for cash, similar to the one seen during the coronavirus response-induced crash of March 2020, when Bitcoin suddenly dropped by over 50%. 
According to some observers, Bitcoin drew haven bids during the March banking crisis, although other rate-sensitive assets like tech stocks also performed pretty well, as traders priced in an early Fed pivot towards rate cuts. That is, of course, the bad news is good news in our upside-down, monetary policy-driven world. But it's all a long way of saying that Bitcoin remains a largely liquidity-sensitive risk asset. So the real question is, will we get to a deal? And the answer to that is almost certainly, because although on the surface it might look like two political parties with opposing views are fighting over this issue, it's really just a negotiation, and neither side is willing to fail. Neither one of the parties can really afford a true default, and although the difference between them looks important on the surface, it is, to a certain extent, all politics. Although in this year's iteration of the drama, the Republicans have been cast as the side that wants to spend less money, there are two important notes. One is that the reduction, so-called, they're demanding is literally just to last year's record spending, which was significantly inflated by the ongoing government response, shoveling money towards partners in the name of the coronavirus, along with unprecedented levels of spending on the war in Ukraine. Republicans want to cut social spending, yes, but they want to increase military spending by quite a lot. And while that might seem reasonable to politicians, if you ask your average human not in government, it's a little bit odd as far as the priorities go. On the other hand, the Democrats act as if essentially every piece of authorized spending is effective and has no unintended consequences and is definitely worth the money, which is, to my eyes at least, the opposite of reality. They don't want to decrease military spending either, but they also don't want to cut back anything else to last year's levels. They say that would be tragic. So their argument is that we should just raise taxes to get there. The perspectives, at least according to most analysis, are presented to us as if they represent two extreme positions on each side of a long spectrum, with room in the middle. But if you zoom out the lens just a bit, you'll find that they're actually on an extremely small range, on a very large graph of what's possible. Both sides fundamentally agree that they want to spend more money than we have, and they each threaten to further damage the already reeling world currency status of the dollar if they don't get their way. A fun experiment these days is to ask someone whether they prefer the stupid or the evil party without defining which is which. The person will invariably say that they prefer the stupid party and they fight against the evil party, regardless of whether they support the Democrats or the Republicans. And that's because they think of their own party as the stupid one, since it typically can't get anything that they care about done, while they think of the other side as evil because it's a simplistic lens by which they can say that they are on the side of the good guys. The reality, of course, is that both parties are stupid and both parties are evil, and we've been tricked into thinking that they represent a choice. They do not. And this latest round of debt ceiling drama that will inevitably end in an increase until they run out of money once again and we go through another round of this kabuki nonsense is just the latest piece of evidence that we are being dangerously misled at a civilizational level. The straight take on this one comes from Coindesk, linked in the show notes. My editorializing draws some inspiration from Zero Hedge, but is entirely my own thoughts. And Zero Hedge is also linked in the show notes. In other news, Digital Currency Group, better known as DCG, missed a $630 million payment owed to Genesis last week. Gemini CEO Cameron Winklevoss has threatened to sue DCG CEO Barry Silbert and the company over the repayment of a $900 million loan after Genesis, a DCG entity, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy amid allegations of mixed funds and ongoing disputes about loan repayments. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, better known as the SEC, has accused both firms of selling unregistered securities through Gemini's earned program. And both Genesis and Coindesk, by the way, are owned by DCG. While Gemini and DCG are still in discussions, if no deal is reached, Gemini and other parties are proposing an amended reorganization plan with Genesis that doesn't require its parent company's approval. That's according to an update on Gemini's site. Quote, Consideration will be based in part on whether the parties believe DCG will engage in good faith negotiations on a consensual basis, Gemini wrote. Continuing, DCG continues to be engaged with the various stakeholders in the Genesis capital restructuring process pursuant to the 30-day mediation period entered by all parties on May 1st, a DCG spokesperson told Coindesk. 
Gemini co-founder Cameron Winklevoss has publicly accused DCG CEO Barry Silbert of engaging in bad faith stall tactics. Meanwhile, Gemini is preparing to file a claim to seeking the return of over $1.1 billion in assets from Genesis for its over 200,000 earned users. Late last week, lawyers for Genesis filed to allow their bankruptcy plan. If the court approves that, then they'll have until August 27th to file that plan and until October 26th for Gemini to accept it. And according to a January filing, Genesis owes over $3.5 billion to its top 50 creditors, which includes Gemini among a number of other names. And finally, TBD, a division of Jack Dorsey's financial technology company Block, formerly known as Square, has launched a new open source toolkit for what it describes as Web5 and its Web5 project, designed to make it easier for developers to create decentralized internet applications. The collection of technologies includes tamper-proof, self-owned identifiers similar to email addresses or usernames called decentralized identifiers or DIDs, secure digital certificates called verified credentials or VCs that provide legal proof of things like name, age, and ownership of assets, and decentralized web nodes, better known as DWNs, that store data in a decentralized way. The full Web5 platform is expected to launch later this year, but with this initial release, developers can apparently start building decentralized applications on their developer platform today. Quote, we're at Bitcoin Miami right now. I'm here because I think Bitcoin is one of those open protocols for freedom, said Mike Brock, a general manager of TBD. Continuing, and I think that's what Web5 is as well. End quote. We've got more on both of these stories from Coindesk linked in the show notes. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, send the show an email at podcast at coindesk.com or you can email me directly at adamlevine at coindesk.com. If you like what we're doing, we always appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts or your preferred listening platform. Have a great rest of your day and we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Markets Daily.